This morning, God's Word comes to us from the prophet Jeremiah, Jeremiah chapter 9. I believe that's found on page 810 in the Pew Bibles. Uh, Jeremiah chapter 9. And this morning, we're going to look just at two verses of this chapter, the verses 23 and 24. Jeremiah chapter 9, beginning at verse 23. What we hear now is God's word. Thus says the Lord, Let not the wise man boast in his wisdom. Let not the mighty man boast in his might. Let not the rich man boast in his riches. But let him who boasts boast in this that he understands and knows me, that I am the Lord who practices steadfast love, justice, and righteousness in the earth. For in these things I delight, declares the Lord. Here we in the reading of God's holy word. Well, this morning we are going to be beginning a new series of sermons. You know it is our regular practice in our morning services uh, to preach uh, the Word of God as summarized in the confessions of our church. And we just just finished a fairly extended series uh, on the Heidelberg Catechism. Before going to our next confession, we're going to take just a, a little time in between Uh, to focus on on something else for a bit. What we're going to focus on is who God is. Now, children, that makes sense, doesn't it? That in church, we should talk about who God is. We're going to talk about theology proper. Of course, every Sunday morning and evening, we talk about what God does for us what he has done for us in Jesus Christ. But we don't spend a lot of time focusing particularly on who he is. What are the attributes of God? We declare that he is a God who is worthy of our praises. Why is that? Is it only because of what he does for us? Or is it because of who he is in himself? It was just over 45 years ago, J.I. Packer wrote a little book uh, called Knowing God. And Packer goes through chapter by chapter extolling the attributes of who God is. That, That we might have a greater desire to praise Him, to worship Him, to glorify Him. That's what we're going to do for the next several weeks together, talking about the doctrine of the church, the theology of the church. Who is God that we might know him better? It's appropriate for us to do this, to study theology together, because we live in a very non-theological society. There was a time many years ago when the study of theology 
was considered the queen of the sciences. It was the highest pursuit you could have in the university to study theology, to study who God is. In many ways today, theology has been replaced by the so-called social sciences, psychology, sociology. Now, these are fine things to study, but the focus of psychology and sociology is not God. It is man. Who are we? What makes us up? What makes up our relationships in society? And if you do happen to find the theology and religion department in a major university, very likely what you will find there are classes in comparative religion. How one religion compares to another. It's not seeking truth. It's not seeking God. It is by its very nature relativistic. There's a lot of truth out there. Let's see how various religions deal with it. But God, God is knowable, and God desires us to know him. It's important for us to know who God is. I think it was um, Bavink at the beginning of his dogmatics, his major book on theology, uh, says, God is unknowable, and then spends about the next 200 pages telling us what we know about this unknowable God. Uh, God is unknowable, to be sure, in his fullness. In his completeness, none of us can ever plumb the depths of who God is. But we can know some things. God has chosen to reveal himself to us. We need not be agnostic as to whether there is a God. God has revealed who he is. Uh, J.I. Packer in that book says this, What were we made for? To know God. What aim should we set ourselves in life to know God? What is the eternal life that Jesus gives us? It is the knowledge of God. What is the best thing in life, bringing more joy, delight, and contentment than anything else? The knowledge of God. And what of all states God ever sees man in, gives him the most pleasure? The knowledge of himself. God delights when we know him. I said we live in a non-theological society. In many ways, the church has become non-theological. Whether in deliberate or in subtle ways, doctrine is often set aside. We hear the phrase, doctrine divides. We don't want to be divided. If I was to put a sign on the road um, for our worship services next Sunday, come to worship doctrinal exposition. I don't think that's quite going to get the crowd. As if we put, come to worship, 12 ways to have a better marriage, 12 ways to, to raise your children, 12 ways to improve your finances. 
either consciously or unconsciously, we have kind of put doctrine aside. Let me ask you this. If I asked you, could you list for me God's communicable and incommunicable attributes? Would that question make sense to you? Or maybe that may be an easier question. Where in our confessions would we go for the answer? And I hope you would know that. We would go to Belgic Confession, Article 1. Belgic 1 says, We believe with the heart and confess with the mouth that there is only one simple and spiritual being which we call God, that he is eternal, incomprehensible, invisible, immutable, infinite, almighty, perfectly wise, just, good, and the overflowing fountain of all good. A list of the attributes of God. In some ways, if you'd like, you can think of these next weeks we spend together as an expanded uh, series simply on Article 1 of Belgic Confession. Who is God? Because answering that important question will affect us. Answering the question, who is God, affects us as we come to worship Him. Who is the God you came to worship today? Is He your buddy? Is He your pal? Is He your BFF? Who is the God you've come to worship? Or is He the God, the Creator, the Almighty Maker of heaven and earth? Who God is affects how we come to worship Him. Our desire, our intention as we come. Who God is affects the songs that we sing in worship. Now, there are many wonderful, beautiful, um, recently composed, uh, wonderful Christian music. But there's also some that isn't very wonderful. There are things which focus on man, on us, on who we are. The song we just sang carries more theology in one verse than many of these contemporary choruses all put together. Who is God? Who is the one we come to worship? That, the answer to that question has some very practical benefits for us. Like I said, people want to have something practical. Just tell me what to do. Just tell me what I have to do. But our theology affects the answer to that question. It affects, it affects every choice we make as we seek to follow God. We have to know who that God is. So we read in verse 23, Let not the wise man boast in his wisdom. Practical benefits, you want to be wise, then know God. You want to be wise about the world in which you live, then know the God who created it. We're at the beginning of the, uh, a new college year, um, students going off to college, choosing what their major might be. If you want to study biology, if you want to study chemistry, if you want to study physics, if you want to study any earth science, it begins with knowing God. 
knowing he is the creator of all that we see around us. All the field of our investigation was created by him. Without that knowledge, you will never truly understand the world around us. You may have partial knowledge, you may know some facts, but you will never fully understand the creation unless you know the God who created it. You want to be wise, know God. You want to be wise in, uh, in family relationships, how to be a good husband, how to be a good wife, what it is to be a parent, what it means to be a child, then know God. Our knowledge of marriage begins with our knowledge of God, who God is. You want to know the, the nature of the husband-wife relationship? You must know God in His Son, Jesus Christ, and His relationship to the church. Because our marriage is a reflection of that. You want to be a good husband, look how Christ loved the church. You want to be a good wife, look how the church responds to her husband, the, bride, or the bridegroom, Christ. Without knowing God, we cannot know the beauty of the husband-wife relationship. You want to know how to be a good parent? We must know God as Father. We see God's patience. We see His love. We see His graciousness toward us. And we learn what it is to be a father from our Father in heaven, and our obligation as children to respond to Him, to obey Him, to love Him, to serve Him. You want to know, you want to know about family relationships? You must know God. You want to know about how to get along in society, how to get along with your employer, with your employees, how to get along in the, in the, in the civil realm? Then know God. Know that God has placed certain structures in society. God has put an order in place. It is He that, that gives us meaning as we go to work. Let not the wise man boast in his wisdom. Let him boast who boasts in this, that he understands and knows me. That as we go to work, we're not simply working for a paycheck, we're working to honor our God who has given us gifts, talents, abilities who's provided us a position to use those in his service. Let not the wise man boast in his wisdom. Let not the mighty man boast in his might. You want to have true power, true strength? Then know God. Strength in times of temptation. We talked about this last week the temptations that come our way, those temptations that come from the world, from the devil, within ourselves. Recognizing we in ourselves are too weak to withstand, but no God. A God who is powerful, a God who is great, a God who would send His own Son to wipe away all of our sins, and a God who by the power of His Spirit lives in us. That we can begin to say no to the old man, no to the worldly way. Strength in times of trial, in times of hardship. Knowing that our God is a God who is in control. That nothing happens outside of His holy purposes. And that He is the God who is able 
to do all things well for the benefit of his children. You want to know strength, you want to know might, you want to know power, then know God. In times of grief, when we stand at the graveside, how do we face these difficulties? We have to know God. It was a time a number of years ago, we were living in Phoenix at the time, and uh, it seemed like in, in the span of a very short time, about two months or so, uh, I went to three or four funerals of friends who were non-believers. And it was so discouraging. There was absolutely no hope. There was no comfort. They talked about how wonderful the person was and the various things they would done, but nothing of God. And I left those funerals just feeling empty. In times of grief, we know God. We know that for the believer, death is not an end. It is our glorious entrance into eternal life. We have to know God to know comfort. Charles Spurgeon, Prince of Preachers, says this, Would you lose your sorrow? Would you drown your cares? Then go, plunge yourself in the Godhead's deepest sea. Be lost in His immensity, and you shall come forth as from a couch of rest, refreshed and invigorated. I know nothing which can so comfort the soul, so calm the swelling billows of sorrow and grief, so speak peace to the winds of trial as a devout musing upon the subject of the Godhead. Musing upon the subject of the Godhead, who God is, that we might have strength in times of trial. Let not the mighty man boast of his might, but let him who boasts, boast in this, that he understands and knows me. He says, let not the rich man boast in his riches. You want to be rich. It is not found in accumulating the toys of this life. Richness comes from knowing God and knowing the contentment that God gives. Knowing that whatever we have, be it a lot or be it a little, comes from God. The God who knows our needs, the God who will provide our needs, the God who will do everything exactly right. Know Him and know what it is to have riches, a contentment in what God has given to us. Let not the rich man boast in his riches, but let him who boasts boast in this, that he understands and knows me. The knowledge of God is eminently practical in our lives. How is it we undertake this knowledge of God? How, do, how is it we know Him? Our knowledge of God is because our God is a gracious God. And a God who has chosen 
to reveal himself to us. I don't know if you think about that. Um, when you meet someone new, we really know them only to the extent they will reveal themselves to us. We might ask them some questions uh, to get to know them, but only to the extent that they will reveal themselves do we get to know them. Our God desires that we know Him and has revealed Himself to us. He has revealed Himself to us in His Holy Word. Now, it is true that God has given us His world, creation, like a most excellent book which speaks of Him. But beyond that, we have the glorious Word of God, that we might know Him. God is not the subject of my conception of Him. I'm not allowed to create God in my image. This is what I think of Him. But He has chosen to reveal Himself, to tell, him, tell us who He is. Let him who boasts, boasts in this, that he understands and knows me, that I am the Lord, who practices steadfast love, justice, and righteousness in the earth. And in these things I delight. A God who gives love, a God who gives justice, a God who is righteous, revealed to us in the Holy Word. Which is why, kids, it is so important for you to read your Bible. Not only at home, but it's important for you to read your Bible when we come to church. When we open the Bible and I read the text that you follow along and you hear the Word of God. This is God revealing Himself to us. And this is why, kids, you should go home today and you should say to mom and dad, thank you for bringing me to church today. Thank you for bringing me to church. Because I got to learn more about God. And as parents, is there anything more we desire for our children? that they would know God. As parents, we have the great privilege and the great responsibility to do all we can to raise our little ones in the fear of the Lord. That includes bringing them to worship regularly, that they too might know God. God's revealed Himself to us in His Holy Word. He's revealed Himself to us in His Son, Jesus Christ. Jesus is a revelation of who God is. In fact, Jesus will say, He who has seen me has seen the Father. Because Jesus came to do the Father's will. A revelation of God. He came to fulfill the plan of redemption. He came to suffer in this world. He came to die on the cross. He came to rise again. All of that, that we might have new life. We must know God in Jesus Christ. Recognizing our sin, our fallenness, but knowing what He has done for us. He has washed us. He has cleansed us. We are new creatures because of God. Not because of who we are. Because of His grace, because of His sovereign choice, He has chosen to, to let His love overflow upon us and made us His own through the blood of His dear Son. We have to embrace that revelation. If you are here this morning and do not know God, you must know Him in His Son, Jesus Christ.
You must recognize what he has done and put your faith in him for all who confess Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior alone. You have the wonderful assurance that you would belong to God. Why would you keep that knowledge away? Why would you not embrace that with heart and soul and mind and strength? God calls you today. Embrace him through his son, Jesus Christ. The God who practices steadfast love, justice, and righteousness in the earth. Our God is a God who reveals himself through the power of his Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit who, who takes that Word of God and applies it to our hearts. The Holy Spirit who illumines our minds that we can take that preached Word and begin to apply it in our lives. That we might see a greater desire to live for God, a greater desire to follow after Him, a greater love for Him, to know Him more fully to know Him more deeply, to, to anticipate those times where we gather together and go into His Word. I am so excited about this series. Having read through Packer's book again, the beauty, the glory of who God is. In the next weeks together, we will look at His glorious attributes. And it is my prayer that you be drawn closer to Him with a greater desire to know Him more. Not simply know about Him, not an academic exercise to list a list of attributes, but to know Him and the power of Jesus Christ and the forgiveness of your sins and the desire to live for Him. Oh, may God use His Holy Word for that purpose, revealing Himself to us that we might be drawn closer, our hearts be moved to a greater devotion. Let not the wise man boast in his wisdom, let not the mighty man boast in his might. Let not the rich man boast in his riches. But let him who boasts, boast in this, that he understands and knows me. Let's join together in prayer. Lord our God, you are great and you are glorious. You are eternal, incomprehensible, invisible, immutable, infinite, almighty, perfectly wise and just and good. You are the God who has chosen to reveal yourself to us, and we thank you. Lord God, help us to be good students of your holy word. Give us, O oh God, a greater desire in our hearts to know you more, that we might love you more. Give us a greater desire in our daily walk to reflect who you are, the God of love and justice and righteousness. In these things you delight, O oh God. May we delight in them as well. We ask for your blessing as we will in the next weeks together study you. Lord God, may we know you more fully, more really, and may that knowledge move us in our lives to, to give up anything for the sake of knowing you. Hear our prayer, O oh God, for Jesus' sake. Amen.